With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Joel Fairby. Hi, this is Derek Broussard. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi. This is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 All right, listen, there's no intro today. We're getting right into it. A bunch of people were upset that we didn't release an episode, and it was kind of stupid, right? Like, why would we put out an episode? I'm sorry, and I'm going to say this in advance. If you are looking for uh, another podcast to have, like, a an in-memoriam to Claude Giroux, it's not happening. So if that's what you're here for... Just turn off the episode, you know, hashtag blessed, and we'll talk to you next week. We, we have to get into this trade. I think that before we get into this, we have to have a moment to accept that there are a few truths that we need to just kind of get out of the way. We all need to be on the same basic understanding here. We know that I am not a Chuck Fletcher fan. I have been very vocal about the fact that I don't think this guy is the one who should be in place to lead this team forward. I've also been outspoken about the fact that I'm not exactly the biggest Claude Giroux guy in the world. There needs to be an understanding among Flyers fans that what happened and this trade that we are about to break down is the perfect example of what happens when you give a player a no movement clause and things work behind the scenes because you cannot have it both ways. And, and I, maybe I'm an asshole and I'll put out, I'll, let's put the profanity warning out. I might be an asshole today. I'm not sure. But you, you can't have it both ways, and we're going to get into it because people are underwhelmed with this package, and some people are very upset with Chuck Fletcher and company, and I, for once, have to say, I don't know. I don't really think he could have done much better given the circumstances, which we're about to get into here. Let me introduce a man who two days ago, oddly enough, said that this deal was practically done, that Claude Giroux was going to be going to Florida, Anthony Sanfilippo. Find him on Twitter, at Philly. Hi, Russ. How are you? You know, I'm actually okay. I know that that intro is like a little bit eh, but well, like I'm actually okay. Well, I mean, you know, I, I, I listen, you, you know, I suffered the slings and arrows for the last 48 hours, right? Uh, or not quite 48, maybe 43 hours because um, I put that report out. But uh, I, I was confident in it. Um, I, I did a real big breakdown on Crossing Broad kind of explaining what I had, what I found out and when um, really, basically I took everybody behind the curtain as much as I could without exposing exactly who I was speaking to. And even, even as reports were coming out over the last, you know, yesterday and um, mostly yesterday and a little bit this morning um, that Colorado was still in this and blah, blah, blah. I, I was supremely confident that 
my my report was correct um, and that he was going to end up in Florida um, just because of the people that I was talking to and how how involved they were in this in this decision. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad it worked out. I, I, I you know, we'll get into what, what the return was and, and if it was a good enough return or, or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I put out the report that I did on Thursday night now because it was uh, it's pretty darn close to, to being right. Pretty darn close. Speaking of pretty darn close, here's a man who's pretty darn close to a lot of situations here with the Philadelphia Flyers and a man who uh, I think was getting himself kind of hyped up this morning about a potential deal. And that's Chris Terrian. Bundy, how you doing, fella? At, on Twitter, at CTerrian6. Good, guys. Good to be here with you. And uh, yeah, Saturday night, you know, I said, as I told Anthony, it's on Twitter. Let's be quick here. I got the old Providence Friars. Yes, my alma mater of three years <laughs> is, uh, is crushing somebody at halftime. So I going to give you guys the extra few minutes but seriously uh it's been a, it's been a weird few days right uh, i both agree with you first of all kudos to anthony for that call the other night i mean it takes a lot of nuts to come out there and say hey listen uh and i'm sure maybe down the road we'll get to the whole meat and potatoes but within when you get the kind of scoop anthony got and i know what it is russ and you're privy to it you got to go with it and yep. uh and, and if you and if you do go and something else comes well then you've either been bullshitted misled uh, and that's, those are things that you should be done. So great job by you, Anthony, you've been on this let go and, uh, and you, you had it right all along. So I think, so here's what I think guys, and I, I just want to kind of jump in and I'll get some of the stuff I don't want to get out now, but, um, I just put a tweet up probably a couple hours ago, just about what I was able to kind of gather through people like Anthony, Bill Meltzer agents around the league that I, you know, have a relationship with and are just able to deduce what was going on. And, and I think that there's a lot of what you said too, Russ, about the no movement clause. This is one of these cases here where you have a guy in a no movement clause, and let's say it's a 10-year contract. To me, that's got to you've got to put an end to the no movement clause at like year seven or eight to give yourself some you know some room to cut or you know uh, cut bait and try to do something. Uh, you know, we'll get into the return, and I'll let you make that announcement. But I but I I think from the the, the beginning of this process knowing, first of all, and seeing the other night, the relationship that, that he's had with Philadelphia. You know, if I'm a GM on a certain team, I'm looking at that as saying, man, do I, do I want to really ship the farm for somebody that's so entombed into uh, a city and has had such accolades there and such a, a momentous evening as, as Thursday was? Uh, that would play into some of the decision that goes into it uh, because he's, you know, he loves the city. He loves playing here. He's comfortable here. Uh, I felt the same way. I was here 11 or 12 years by the time I said and done and you know, it wasn't always roses for me, but at the same time, I, you know, this was my home by then. So I understand part of that. As for the return though, and the no movement stuff guys, and, and even what you were saying, Anthony, you, I don't think they were ever going to get what maybe you felt he was worth. I mean, you were going into this and I know people right now initially are trying to just absolutely club Chuck Fletcher. Um, but I don't know what he could have done because it was Drew who ultimately at the end of the day held the cards and he decided that this is how the route he was going to go with it, rather than maybe saying to the Flyers, I don't know. And again, I'm not speaking, I'm not saying that he did the wrong thing, but I don't know if there was a part of this process where he went up and said, hey, how can I help you guys out? You know, even if it's to mislead another team, you know, even if it's to put somebody else in, in, a, in a driver's seat or a seat that they have to force an offer. And then that allows Chuck to use his little leverage, you know, to, to go out and make that trade. So that's the part. I don't know what happened there. And, and I think, Anthony, you can dive into it. I mean, I don't know how rosy this end process was. We will find out in the coming days. But I can't imagine 
with what they ended up getting back that the Flyers are overly thrilled with it either. But, but it is what it is because we had a guy in an expiring contract. They didn't really say either way what he wanted to do. We suspect he wanted to come back to Philly, but we don't know that. And if you're Florida or Colorado, how can you quantify that, right? By saying we're going to give away a lot and we're not going to have them pass whatever playoff run we have. Yeah. Questions answered and unanswered still, guys. But but well done by both of you, Anthony, especially you calling that out Thursdays. Good job. Thanks. And, Russ, before you – before I know you want to kind of dive in. I, I think you're going to be a little bit surprised. I think you're going to find that all three of us agree on this – on what happens with this deal. Because I, I'm on the same page as, as Bundy and, and with you, Russ. This this falls at the feet of Giroux. Um, yeah. it, really, it really does in, in the fact that the Flyers couldn't get more. Uh, and so, hey, real quick – and I know that we – I know that you hate when I interrupt you. But I want to I, I want to focus on that one thing. Anthony is about as big of a Claude Giroux supporter, as much of a believer in Claude Giroux, the person, the player, the whole thing. He is on like the spectrum of like, I don't know, like a, a Giroux hater to a Giroux lover or like somebody who, who, who really does fully support this guy. Like Anthony's on that end of the spectrum. The fact that he, of all people on this show, is throwing responsibility at the feet of the player needs to resonate with fans, regardless of if you're somebody who is the biggest Claude Giroux fan and didn't care what the team was going to get back. They want him to be happy and all that. Or you're somebody who's on the other side or you're somebody that's in the middle. That is a huge, huge thing that just happened and it needed to be highlighted. So thank you. Yeah. Okay. You got it. And, but, I, but I'm also going to say something else and that will make you probably make you roll your eyes a little bit, but that's okay. Um, but like, we haven't even said what the trade is just, just in case anybody missed it or has not seen it or whatever. I mean, you probably got it by now, by the time you listen to this pod, you probably know what it is, but if just in case you don't, the flyers are sending Claude Giroux, um, Connor Bunneman, Herman Rootsoff and a 2024 fifth round pick uh, to the Florida Panthers for Owen Tippett. Uh, a 2024 first round pick and a 2023 third round pick. And that's it. Um, so it really doesn't sound like it's a lot uh, of return. And I'll tell you, I was back and forth with so many people on this. Um, I got one member of Flyers management who earlier today texted me uh, that the trade is reasonable, but not perfect. And it's reasonable, but not perfect because, yeah, look, they got a first round pick. It's three years down the line, but they got a first round pick. They got a prospecty type player, but not the type of prospect. They probably wanted a better prospect out of the deal. And they got a third in a, in a good draft year, which is fine, which is, you know, that's, that's good. The, the 23 draft does run deep. That third round pick, even though it'll probably be later in the third round, um, is probably akin to a second rounder in most drafts, considering how deep the, third, the 23 draft is expected to be. So that's, that's okay. I mean, that, that part of it's fine. Um, but really what this comes down to is, Claude was was really not willing to help the Flyers unless, from what I'm told, unless he could get a guarantee that they would bring him back next year. And Chuck was not willing to do that. And so when Chuck's not willing to do that, Giroux was not as willing to help them out by giving them other destinations. And, you know, they put Briere in the middle of it. I know that. I, Danny's a friend of, of Claude's, but he's also the special assistant to the, assistant to the GM. So he's kind of like stuck in the middle and, you know, maybe trying, he can be like, you know, try and convince Claude to consider other options. It just never happened. It never happened. I talked to somebody who's really close to, to Claude who said, 
he is very set in his ways. And when he gets his mindset on a, on something, no matter what, he's always going to he's you're not convincing him otherwise. And that's just the kind of person that he is. And so that really puts Chuck. So, you know, people people are yelling, you know, you got to kill Fletcher, fire Fletcher, fire. What did you expect him to do? Yeah. I mean, look, he might not. He might end up being the worst general manager in the history of the franchise by the time the summer comes out. We, we, we'll evaluate where he's at come July. And he might, he could be the worst guy that ever you know was in that position. Who knows? But in this instance, what else was he supposed to do? Yeah. He and, did and, about and, as best as he could, right, Bundy? I mean, consider and, 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 and if you and, and actually what you just said right there, Anthony, is, is almost true in another sense that you know if 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 you ask Giroux, right, and you ask him and you, and you tell him that you want it, that he hey he goes to you and says hey Chuck you know what I'll go somewhere I'll, I'll take the trade get your return but I want to come back this summer right I'd like to sign for another two years I really you know, I want to finish up here uh, but I understand you needing assets. The problem with that too, though, is that you put the other team on notice, they're not going to give you as much if they know he's coming back, right? Right. So, so Florida's attitude is this. I know what Florida's thinking. They hope he comes in, has a great run, really likes the short time he's there. Maybe they win the cup. And then maybe they're able to sign him for two years at a much better cap number that he'll want to stay at. So that's, that's where Florida says, okay, we can get him to stay by having a good run and, and him liking our team. But at the negotiating table, where they were right now, where they were today, you couldn't go to, to Zito in Florida and say, hey, you know what, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have him back. And he's like, well, then I'm going to give you this. I'm going to yeah. give you a third and a fourth rounder because I have no chance of re-signing this guy. I don't even get a shot on July 1st because that's what the deal looks like. So from that standpoint, it's not really fair. And, I, and I'm with you, Anthony. I don't really blame Chuck. I mean, all I, now you can do this. You can blame Chuck for not trading them last year or the year before. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you guys and blow smoke and tell you that I had a different way of thinking. I told you guys in September, I yeah. would have traded him four or five years ago. Like, and, and listen, this is from a guy that played for this team for one, one guy behind Drew when the league games played, or maybe a couple more now, but I watched him at ice level for four years and radio booth for seven. And I told you guys before this year, I would have considered moving him four or five years ago because I felt at that point, that the return would have been Far exponentially better. better. Yeah. And yeah. because I think that, you know, you had a glimpse of where he was at that point of his career then. You had a glimpse of him in playoff series. And sometimes you just have to have the balls to say, you know what, fuck, I don't like the direction things are going, and I've got to do this. But you know what, guys? I'll say this too. GMs don't want to give up a player like that in the regular season so easily because their job's on the line too. Yeah. Yep. You know? Which – and there are so many different ways to go with this. And like, Bundy, I think you and I talked about this yesterday. But I, I think I said to you, or maybe said to Ant, that in order for this deal to go down, Florida was going to have to include a first round pick. And it was clear that because of the Schrott deal, like it was going to have to be 2024. And I said, the, the thing that's hard about that is GMs don't want to deal for future capital because there's no guarantee you're going to be here. Right. And and look, GMs are in self-preservation mode. That's not just the Philadelphia Flyers. It's not just Chuck Fletcher. That's every front office member in every front office in the history of, of professional sports. You yep. always want to mitigate damage. And, and you can't think about three or four years down the line. And it's also not Chuck Fletcher's first year. He very well, if next year gets off to a bad start, could lose his job. And is he going to care about the 2024 pick? No, he certainly is not. I'm going to put on a fan hat for a second. This is why... I have said for 
two months now, at least, you are either a Philadelphia Flyers fan or you're a Claude Giroux fan when it comes to this deal getting made. You can, of course, be a Claude Giroux and a Philadelphia Flyers fan. But when it comes to the actual deal itself, you either wanted your player, the guy that you maybe idolized, to go to the team he wanted to go to, or you wanted the team that you supposedly root for to get the best possible return. You can't have it both ways. It's very rare that a player gets dealt to the team he wanted to get dealt for for the strongest offer. Anthony, I think that you know you and I could probably agree based on some of the, the names that had been mentioned in the Colorado offer that haven't necessarily gone public. Colorado had a better offer. And the way that the last couple of days have played out is you saw a guy like Pierre Lebrun throw out this idea that Colorado's still involved. That, to me, screams of front offices sometimes like to play the national guys, and they like to use the national guys to try to get a little bit of negotiating leverage. It doesn't just happen in hockey. This is like a, a thing that happens in the NBA between Woj and Shams. Shams is like the big agent guy. Woj is the big front, the front office guy, right? And we know, at least in that league, that sometimes those guys get, get played a little bit as part of like the public sphere and like influencing opinion. I think that's what happened here. I think it became very clear between Anthony's report, uh, between Adrian Dater put something out. I'm trying to think of who else. There was somebody else that came out. I don't remember if it was Friedman or, or who it was. I think on Thursday or on Friday that like it was very likely going to be Florida. And at some point, if you're Chuck Fletcher, you have to do some kind of due diligence on your side to try to get that public opinion swayed, to try to make Colorado think they're still in it. Why? Not because you necessarily wanted to go to Colorado. Claude Giroux didn't want to go to Colorado. Ultimately, his heart was set on going to Florida. But you do that because you want the public to believe that Colorado might actually make a late play and that Florida might feel desperation and go out and throw one more asset on the table. So this, this 2024 first round pick might end up being a valuable property. We don't know, right? Like the 2023-24 season could go terribly wrong for Florida. And maybe it ends up being a pick that like pops its way up into the top three somehow. We don't know. We won't know for two years. This is where I come back to being frustrated in that if you're a player who goes out of your way to say all the time, the organization means everything. I want to be here. I don't want to leave here. We knew behind the scenes that Claude Giroux and his family did not want to leave. They did not want him to go across the country into another time zone far from home. It's not as if Pennsylvania and Florida are, you know, neighbors, but it's a much closer thing. It's, it's going to disrupt your life a whole lot less. You cannot be somebody who publicly states again and again how you want to do something that works for the team as well, which he said in public at multiple press conferences, what works best for him and work, what works best for the team. You can't say that. And then when it finally comes down to judgment day, you say, you know what? You don't want to guarantee I'm not going to be here next year. Fuck it. Florida. It's Florida or bust. And I am not a guy who goes out of his way to praise Chuck Fletcher. But when you are in that position as a front office executive where it is known we talked about this for two weeks, that it was known behind closed doors and it was getting around league circles that Claude Giroux did not want to go out west. In theory, he wanted to stay close. Whether it was Carolina, it was Florida. When that gets around and it gets around that he probably wants to come back to Philadelphia in the offseason, you lose most of your negotiating leverage. And so the fact that Fletcher was able to get what he got, honestly, if we evaluate this from a realistic standpoint and we remove the emotion, this is fine. Maybe yeah. it works and maybe it doesn't. But you could have just as easily if you wanted. You could have just as easily had Giroux bitch out and say, "Nope, I'm finishing the season. I'm not waving the mo no movement clause." And then what do you have? Nothing. Okay. 
not saying that this is a great return. I'm not saying that this is better than the Colorado return. I think Colorado's offer was going to be better. But what do you do? And I don't think anybody can give an answer. I genuinely don't. No, you can't. I mean, you just can't. I mean, that's the, that's, that's the thing of it all. And, you know, I, I, I honestly think that the, there maybe could have – the only thing is – if you're if you're Chuck, I don't, I don't know how he handled it, right? I, I wasn't. I'm not in those. I'm not in the room where it happened, right? I'm not in there with him and and uh, and uh, and Jeru when they're talking. Um, but maybe if you're as you're having a conversation and Jeru's telling you he wants to come back next year, maybe say, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll work on that. That sounds like a sounds like a great idea. You you give them given the sense that that can happen, right? You got to give them the sense that that can happen. Maybe then he gives you a second and third team that you could talk to and, and says, all right, here's my preference. One, two, three, try and make it one. If you really can't work out something with team number one, then we'll talk about two or three. But at least at that point, you, you, you got hit. Now you've played the game with him, right? So that yeah. something can happen. One of two things can now happen. Maybe Drew goes to wherever he goes, whichever team it would be. It could still have been Florida. You go to that team. You, you, you realize wow, look at how different it is here. This is, this is better than what it was back in Philadelphia. Like, I, I like it here. Like, I could, I could play here beyond this season, you know, and then that doesn't even come up again, and he doesn't want to come back. Great, you solved it that way. Or if he's still really, really, really adamant about coming back, at that point, if you're Chuck Fletcher, you say, you know what? Gee, I'm sorry. So many things have changed. Uh, we've turned over this roster so much. Here's what our financial situation is. Look, you're willing to come back for like two years, $2 million, whatever, fine. We could, we could sneak you in. Otherwise, I, I can't do it, man. And then let him, make, let him make the decision that he's not coming back here. Like you give him like a low ball offer to say, yeah, you want to come back? Here's what it is. And then he, he decides to walk. So that the whole time you put the ball in his court. Did Chuck do that? I don't. I don't think he did. But and and, and so maybe that's the one negative that you could look at the mm -hmm. general manager and say you could have handled this differently. I don't know though. I can't say that with any certainty. Well, there was there was something that thought they weren't even talking like that. That actually they they had separated a little bit, both Floden and and yeah, Chuck yeah. from from talking about the subject at all in the last two days. Yeah. So I, I mean, mean there's, stuff, there's stuff going. On. I just I just think the part that were the frustration. I understand where Chuck's coming from. He's a lawyer. He's trying to find a negotiation in the deal and he couldn't find a negotiation. That's what happened. So he felt like he was sitting at the barrel of a gun dealing with a one team offer. And really he was. So the, the trick was to get Drew uh, to find uh, the, the real trick for the GM in this was to him to find him a happy place for him and the player say, Hey, let's try to get four teams. We know we want to send you to Florida. I get you, but I want to wheel and deal three other teams in here. And I need your help to do that. And that's this is a part I think that's going to really piss people off at the end of the day is because I think they could have gotten more of a bidding war started. Now, I don't know how much more you would have gotten, but you might have gotten a first rounder in next year's draft, which is a really the big one, the pivotal one. So uh, they'll be they'll be thinking about they'll be talking about this trade probably for years, guys, in terms of, you know, how it works out or, or what it looks like. But um, very, very, very odd set of three days that just just went on and transpired, to be honest with you. And, and there's a, an element to this that I think is also important to note. And Ant outlined this in, I believe, in this story, and I think he'd done it before, that there was a, uh, an agent who had conveyed at some point in the last month, let's say, that Chuck Fletcher is a straight shooter and he appreciates the fact that Chuck is very transparent. And I think ultimately, to Bundy's point, that might have hurt 
his negotiating leverage because I, I, I'm, I'm like Mr. Optics, right? If, if Chuck Fletcher goes in and misleads, okay? Like we know that that's the best way to go. Claude, yes, absolutely. We want to bring you back in the off season. Help us get the best return now. We'll have this conversation in the off season. Absolutely. You're, you're, a, you're a team legend. We absolutely want to bring you back. Could he have done it? Yes. Would it have been disastrous? Potentially. How? If in the off season, there is a rumor that comes out that Claude Giroux had been given assurances at the trade deadline that the Philadelphia Flyers were going to give a legitimate shot at him returning. What happens to Chuck Fletcher and the Philadelphia Flyers? They fucking get obliterated in the optics battle because then you get a unified front from a lot of the Philadelphia fans, including people like us who are usually critical of the organization. Anyway, we sit back and go, yo, you lied to this guy. It could get worse. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like this could theoretically, I think Fletcher might've done a little bit of damage control on that end as well. And uh, honestly, I think that if, if anything comes out of this, maybe this helps with, when the flyers are trying to recruit players in free agency, when it comes to Fletcher, that he's going to at least tell you where they're at. Like, I don't know if it helps. I genuinely don't. I think Chuck Fletcher's going to sleep pretty well tonight, knowing that he didn't lie. Like, I, I, I'm thinking that that's probably one thing. Ultimately, are people going to blame him for it? Yeah, I guess they probably will. You could have lied. I don't know about you guys. I think that there's maybe a way to toe that line a little bit better, but like, boy, boy, oh boy. Now, the return itself, um, Tippett. Tippett's been an up and down guy. To me, it's not the same player, obviously. But Tippett reminds me a lot of what we've seen here with Morgan Frost. The guy gets a look at the NHL level. He doesn't necessarily put it all together. He's a former first round pick. And ultimately, a lot of people felt like he was underwhelming. Well, Owen Tippett, welcome to Philadelphia. We have a lot of those here. So join right in. Nobody's going to go after you for being a former first round pick. And whether you're a bust or not, we didn't draft you. So welcome to town. There are like four other guys who are in your same exact predicament. I don't know, guys. Maybe Owen Tippett's going to be a good player. Maybe he's I not. I hope so. Yeah. I certainly hope so. Yeah, sure. And if that works out, then awesome. I will say that I think Ant, the only thing that I find disappointing is the fact that Mackie wasn't included in the deal. And that was a name that had been thrown out there. Um, I think it was in Ant's story, actually. Um, a, a kid who plays for Michigan, who I believe had gotten all Big Ten honors, was on a stacked Michigan team. And there was a belief that he ended up sliding down the draft because of that weird COVID draft. And that like, he might've been a guy who wasn't a diamond in the rough necessarily, but was like woefully drafted late. Like he should have been a higher pick. And so from my perspective, when I saw these details of the deal, I said, that's the bummer. Again, 2024 first round pick might be good. We don't know what Florida will be. And maybe it ends up being way better than what Mackie was. Maybe Mackie doesn't turn into anything. But I think that having that lottery ticket and knowing there's a chance that you have something there is even more attractive than Owen Tippett, who hasn't exactly blown the doors off anything and is, what, 23 years old at this point. Doesn't mean that he can't be good. Doesn't mean he can't develop. But it feels like you have a better idea of where he's going to land. Yeah, let me let me just throw real quick in on, on Mackie Simoskevich. Um, you know, I put his name out there as part of the thing on Thursday and then uh, explained in the story that ran on Crossing Broad on Friday um, that again, this was a name that was that was being discussed. Now, I, I'm not convinced that this was a name that 
Florida was ever willing, you know, in retrospect now that Florida was ever willing to include, because if they were, I'm sure the Flyers would have taken it. Right. Um, I think that this was a wish list thing for the Flyers and that, you know, Bill Zito kind of was like, okay, and kind of put it in the back of his head. But I also talked to someone who who is close to Zito, who said that Zito told him uh, I'm not bidding against myself. Because so Zito knew, just like Bundy said earlier, Zito knew he was he was the only game in town here, and so therefore he was you know making the, the wanted to make the offer fair, but at the same time not overpay because they, Claude wasn't going to accept another offer. That's why you know everything that we're saying you got to get the other teams involved. That's that falls on Giroux and his camp. I mean, yeah, Brisson as well. I mean, Brisson could have could Pat Brisson his agent. He could have you know, basically told Giroux the same thing. Like, you know, we could stick by our guns in the end, but allow them to engage other teams. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And they didn't, they, they didn't do that. And they really tied Chuck's Chuck's hands. So maybe, you know, Samuskevich is a guy that the flyers like, you know, they scouted him. They thought it was a good, that he would be a good inclusion in the deal. Mention it to Zito. Zito takes it quote unquote under advisement. Um, and then when he comes back with his first official deal, which did not come, uh, I understand, until the first official offer from Florida did not come until yesterday. Um, then he, and he doesn't include him in there. Then, you know, what are the odds you're getting him at that point? Probably slim to none. So anyway, that's that's all I have to add on on Mackie Samuskevich. I don't know if you hear that cackling, but that's a long time listener and a viewer of the press row show evan adkins spinning my wheels through life cackling that bill zito kicked chuck fletcher's ass in this deal that's what that's what you hear if you hear it off in the distance so zito the guy who got the courtesy interview from the flyers ultimately knew what was going down and didn't bid against himself you know and, and you know but zito too to his favor he's got to play this right also because, sure. you know, you get, you get a, like, I, I've been here guys with, you know, Clarky, and I always said to his credit, you know, always tried to give us a good player at the deadline, you know, and the one that probably most mimics this one, I guess, in terms of sentiment of who the player is, is, is an Adam Oates, uh, you know, coming over for, for those three first round picks that Clarky gave up to get Oatsy. And, you know, we were talking the other day, like, and he was a great guy, great teammate, but, you know, some guys, we joked that it was Oatsy's fault that screwed up our chemistry. That's another part too, that a GM is always, when you bring a guy like this into the fray, What's his mindset? Is he going to be fine playing in a third line role? What is he, where is he on our team? So from that standpoint, these trades don't always work. And if you do get a guy in, you want to make sure you didn't mortgage everything you had or give up too much for a guy that you're only going to have for two months also. And I think a yep. lot of those, you know, those, those trades, first rounders for Oatsy, I would have probably, if you asked Clarkie and went back, I guess he would have given one first rounder if you redid the deal and maybe a couple of lower picks, but that's what the asking price was at the time. Uh, and that was where Adam Oates did not have the luxury of having, you know, a no movement clause that where he could hand, you know, cherry pick his own team. So I, I just, I, I don't know the, the whole, uh, the details. I'm sure Chuck will talk about it this week. I, I was just, I just feel like I think that the, the Flyers could have been helped a little bit more. Maybe they could have helped themselves a little bit more with past moves. But I think with this one here, I would like to have found, you know, for Claude's agent and for Claude to have helped the team a little bit more as well and, and treat this as a big, a big move, especially if you can get something quicker. You know, they might have had a chance to get that the, the pick next year that they sent for Sherratt in Montreal instead of waiting. I mean, listen, let's not fool yourselves. They obviously had more coveted for a defenseman. They didn't waste any time giving up the first round pick for a guy that's been on a bad team all year. So, 
there's a lot of little innuendos in play here. Um, and, and I just wonder if something went a little bit south that this deal ended so abruptly here on a Saturday night that almost everybody's like, all right, let's just get it done and, and, and get it over with. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I wonder if like, a, like Colorado, I wonder if Sackett calls him up and says, look, we're out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like we're, we're done. We're, we're, we're not waiting any longer. I have other, other places to go. I, you right. know, whatever. And so maybe when that happens and the only, the only thing left on Chuck's plate is Florida. Then he says, oh, okay, got to go back to Bill and, and work this deal out now. So, I mean, I think maybe maybe that's it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, here's a quick question for you. But I'm going to give you a throw a really, really hypothetical at you, but just out of curiosity. If Florida offers Montreal the 24 first-round pick for Sherratt, do you think they take it? Considering Sherratt probably wasn't worth a first-round pick to begin with. He, he, he's a rental defenseman, Right. If yeah. you say, he look, he's only worth a two, but, well, if you really want a one, we'll give you a one. You just have to wait till 24. You think Montreal takes that, and then it changes everything for the Flyers? I don't know. I'm just curious. Uh, you know what, Anthony? You're getting, you know what? You guys are much more uh, better with the draft kids. I don't pay attention to the kids at all. I, I know mean, nothing about the 2024. Yeah, I don't know anything about any kids. <laughs> I mean, my kid would be – my own son's 15 years old. He's a knucklehead, and he'll be a 24 draft-eligible kid. So I can't even <laughs> picture that right now in any way, shape, or form. Guys, it's been a real pleasure. I'm going back to my basketball game. Good luck, Claude. You know, seriously, I covered him. We covered him a long time, Anthony. Right. right. And, uh, you know, and, and I will say this. He's an Ottawa kid. I know it says Hearst, Ontario, but he's from Close my enough, hometown. Right? Yeah, he's an Ottawa kid. Uh, and, and, uh, and I think he's done, accomplished some great things here. And so, you know what? And none of that gets lost in all of this. Um, we wish him a ch- uh, the best chance. The Flyers have had good luck sending guys off to places and winning cups. So let's hope uh, that he follows suit with that. Simone Gagne, Kimo Timonen, Justin Williams. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> Didn't happen to me, but I still came back anyway. Guys, have a great <laughs> Saturday night and go Friars. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bundy. Good stuff. Enjoy it. And to, it. to answer your question, I think that no. I, I don't think that, that that deal goes down for a 2024 pick. Because okay. I would I'm guess, I, I would bet you that that was the the prior offer. I would guess that I would guess that that was what Bill Zito goes into that deal or into that negotiation with. He says 2024 first. They probably go back and forth. They weigh the rest of the market, say Sherratt's the best option and you don't want to part with it. But like ultimately, and this is a thing that like, I think I'd even, I think I tweeted about this on Friday, you know, like in theory, if you're getting a really late 2023 first round pick, like if you're getting something that's somewhere between 28 and 32, even if it is a stacked and loaded class and is as ridiculously over the top full of talent as, as a lot of evaluators believe it will be, uh, I don't know, is 28 to 32 really going to, it's not a guarantee at that point. Maybe it's a guy who would have otherwise been like drafted at 18, 22, but I don't know if that's necessarily a franchise changer. So, you know, maybe he does that math too and says, we have a, we have a window here to win right now. We have a window to compete this year. We know that for a fact. And that, that 23 pick just isn't as valuable to us because we think we're going to win the Stanley cup, or we think that we're going to be in the Stanley cup final, or we think that we're going to end with like the best record in the East or something like that. Um, I'm actually, I'm not surprised that we were all in the same wavelength today, but I think it's okay. I think it's it's also like, 
it is what it is. I mean, we all kind of we all kind of recognize it. I mean, it's yeah, it'd be, there, there, it'd be kind of silly to go another the other way direction. to spin this. Like, there's not, and like, look, everybody toots their own horn, right? That's just how this works. I th- it's I've actually gotten to a point now in the last like two days where I've I've genuinely had to to try to figure out does this happen in other sports in this city where media shits all over other media whether it's traditional or it's blogs or whatever where where people are just like openly just going after each other and like I don't know we we talked about this going into Thursday about what was potentially on the table from Colorado and from Florida and the sources and who was involved. And like, I can sit here and say to people, yes, these were excellent sources. Yes. We knew for a fact two days ago, three days ago, the clodgeru was only going to go to Florida. We knew it. Okay. Like, and you said it in your piece, somebody very close to Claude Giroux said that he's going to Florida. You you can't get a better source than, than what you got that day. And look, there are of course going to be people who think that you're full of shit or that I'm full of shit. And I guess the only thing I could say is like, no, like in, in this case, at least, uh, no. And the fact that like it was there, it was a thing that was confirmed. I'm not surprised, but it, it does speak to probably the larger issue which is it was known for the last three days that Claude Giroux only wanted to go to Florida. And look, you, you work as hard as you work in this league so that you can pick your destination, whether it's in free agency or it's getting an extension and it's getting that no movement clause. And I can't fault the guy for, for wanting the no movement clause. Ultimately he gets to go where he wants. And I, I meant to say this to Bundy earlier, but I think when the flyers signed Claude Giroux to that deal, they never thought they were going to be trading him. I don't think Correct. they ever believed that by the time this contract ended, they would ever be out of contention so badly that the no movement clause would ever have to come up. And one of the things that has come out from multiple people around the organization in the last few days is this isn't a situation that anybody really expected to ever have to play out. And I think that, and we talked about this earlier in the season, to me, this was a lost season months ago. And there were some that really did hold the belief that this team could maybe scratch and claw its way back into not being a real big buyer, but maybe potentially being a, a, a bubble playoff team. And they wouldn't have to have this conversation, whether that means they didn't do due diligence months ago in really preparing and setting the table for what kind of trade could go down. I don't know, but ultimately a player that a lot of people in this town liked and a lot of people didn't like who gave his heart and soul to the team whose family really loved being here and might want to come back here in the off season. This is about as good of a return as you were going to get. And now you get to go back to being a flyers and a Claude Giroux fan. You can go root for him to do well in Florida. And you should probably root for the Philadelphia flyers to lose as many games as possible between now and the end of the year. So that hopefully you get a decent draft pick this year. And then we see where things are in the off season. I want to ask you this though, because I, I have a thought but you might know better than me. The way that this ends, that Claude Giroux is not willing to play ball and isn't willing to ultimately maybe go to the team that had the better offer on the table. Does that adversely affect his standing with this team when the offseason comes around? 
Is it now less likely that the Flyers look to sign him in the offseason? Or does it have no impact at all? I don't think he's here at all. I think as long as, especially if Chuck Fletcher is the general manager. If for, if for some reason, you know, Comcast swoops down and fires everybody and you bring a new GM in, maybe Claude re, you know, relights that that candle and, and tries, tries to see if there is a path to get back here. Um, but as long as Chuck's the general manager, no, I think that, that, I think that there, that there is a broken relationship there at this point, um, between the two that, that resulted in this trade, the way it went down. Um, and I don't think either side looks to bring, looks to, I don't think Drew looks to come back. I don't think Chuck looks to resign him. A week ago, what percentage would you have given it that Claude Giroux is at least entertained by the Flyers and vice versa, that there's a mutual, a mutual interest in yeah. a reunion in the offseason? Well, I, I felt all along that there might be a mutual interest if Claude was willing to, you know, give a hometown discount sure. on a contract. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who think, and you know, I talked to someone today who said, Giroux's going down to Florida. And he's going to play on the top line with Barkov and uh, Carter Verhage. And he's going to play 20 games with them. There's a real chance with as good as that offense is, as good as that power play is, that Claude can end up getting 25 more points this season, right, in those games. Uh, With that being the case, all of a sudden now, he's got, what, a 70-point season? Mm -hmm. He's probably worth a little bit more next year even at 34 years old. So, you know, when you start looking at that and you say, well, you're going to give him six and a half million dollars. Flyers never would have. No, but if the, but if the flyers, if, if you said to me a week ago, would the flyers bring Giroux back next year, two years, four, four and a half four million and a, half. a year. Yep. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I'd, I'd say there's a, I wouldn't say it was a hundred percent, but I'd say it would better be better than 50, 50. Um, now I say even that is a zero. Yep. So. So there you go. <laughs> is that damning? I don't know if that's damning, but I feel like that's kind of damning. So it could be. Anyway, uh, I hope people enjoyed this today. Uh, maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. But I think this is about as level headed as we could have possibly been. And for the people who wanted us to come in here and to like bury Chuck Fletcher, yeah. There's not a route. There's there's not a path to it. No. And for the people who want to hold Claude Giroux up as a as a god among men, you might have probably tuned out in the first 30 seconds when I told you to tune out. I don't know. But for many people, especially people who are my age, Claude Giroux is somebody that was the face of the Philadelphia Flyers. We did not grow up with Bobby Clark. We really, for for the most part, we have some memories of Eric Lindros, right? We obviously, we we obviously, mess. We obviously have the 2010 run to the cup, and like that era, we have like lots of memories of like Simone Gagne, right? Yeah. But Claude Giroux was the face of this team for better or worse, through good seasons, bad seasons, and so I understand that for people my age this could be something that's like a really hard pill to swallow. Almost like it was when the Phillies had to trade Chase Utley. I I could, I I think you can make a case that there's, 
a similarity there. I, the guy that I've always compared Claude Giroux to is Allen Iverson, mm-hmm. a, a guy who had a lot of his best years wasted by a team that either could not or would not or chose to or were too incompetent to build a good team around and wasted a lot of prime years. It was also very upsetting for people my age when Allen Iverson was ultimately dealt. And then at the same time, you have to pick yourself back up. You root for this team. You hope that at some point something's going to break their way. And that maybe Owen Tippett is like the perfect, this never happens in Philadelphia ever. I need you to like go back into like the 1940s for me for this. But like when the hell has Philadelphia ever had a time where a guy has had a change of scenery and gone from being underwhelming and disappointing into all-star caliber? Has it happened? I, I don't know. I feel like we're overdue. So Owen Tippett, welcome to Philadelphia. You're going to save the Philadelphia Flyers. Bless you, fella. Two, th- two things I want to say to wrap this up. Um, first, kind of off of what you were talking about there just a minute ago. You know, I, 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 someone asked me, I got to, you know, people, as you know, we've, we deal with it all the time where you know, people try to discount everything that we report or everything that we say because, of, because we're a little bit more outspoken, I think, than most podcasts are. And that's okay. Um, and, and I, you know, th- like, as you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't get bothered by this stuff. We just keep doing what we do. But I said to them, I said, the reason um, I, I've felt the, the need in this instance to be really on top of this one and to really work this trade and to really constantly, I mean, it's been right, Ross, we've been talking about it for weeks. The reason that I felt the need for this is this does not, this is, this is not a, the kind of trade that happens that often. In my 22 years of covering this team, the Flyers have only done this twice before. Eric Lindros and the Mike Richards, Jeff Carter day. That's it. Those were franchise altering trades where you were trading the faces of the franchise. Has they, has there, there's been no other ones, right? I mean, in, in, I can't think of in the 22 years. So like, that's why, like, look, if, if this was Justin Braun, would I be constantly on the phone trying to figure out you know, who's involved in the Justin Braun trade and is someone going to bump it from a four to a three or whatever? Like, I mean, like, I'm not, you know, if I get it, I get it. Great. I mean, that's fine. But this is, this is something, this is, this is a franchise icon. And it, this happens every once a decade, maybe, yeah. maybe once a decade. And so that's why to me, this was so important to run really, and why it was important for also for me to put out there just how tra- you know, I'd be as transparent as I can. And this is how the conversations have gone. And here's, here's how, you know, it kind of all kind of came together. So that's why I did it the way I did. And the final thing I want to say is this for, for Claude Giroux. I, I don't begrudge him on a personal level for doing it the way he did. Would I have done it differently? Yes. Would I have tried to help the flyers a little bit more? Yes. But you know, in, in ultimately in this business, teams don't care about the players as much as they say they do. They care about themselves. And so for a player, you have to look out for yourself when you can. And when you have an advantage like he had with the no trade clause, if you feel you have to use it, if you feel you have to play that card that way, then by all means, you've earned it, do it. And so I don't begrudge him with that. And I, th- I think he's going to a, to a situation where he will succeed and do well. Whether Florida wins the Stanley Cup or not, I don't know. Um, I, I thought that they were a Stanley Cup final team coming in. 
Um, I still still stand by that, and I stand by Calgary out of the West. That's my kind of unless anybody people get hurt or things change here in the next month, uh, I'll stick with Florida Calgary. I don't know if Florida wins, but I think he's going to have a shot. I think he's going to have a shot, and it would be nice to see him get that chance. And I'd like to see him have a playoff, like have a real play, like be successful in the playoffs again, because he was at one time a very successful playoff player. And then the other times he was in the playoffs, didn't have any talent around him and he got shut down. Everybody, wow, he didn't, he didn't do anything. Okay. But at the same time, who did, right? So it's, you know, you can't just always put it on one guy. So I'd like to see him have a nice playoff run and we'll see what happens. And we'll see what happens. He, he did put a big spotlight on himself though, because he probably will become a first line player with that team. Yeah. If he goes to Colorado, he's not a first line guy. No, he's put a lot more of a of a real focus on himself, because if he does go out and have a bad playoff performance, if he goes out and he disappears or he's not on the the stat sheet, right, like he he's not contributing points, it's going to look real bad there. And there is no there's no sugarcoating it because there aren't going to be fans and media who have covered or have followed him for his whole career to say, hey, but remember this. This trade and his his quote unquote legacy from this point on is going to be very much tied to how he performs down the stretch for this Florida team that really does look like a Stanley Cup contender in every way, shape and form. So. This this is going to be something. We'll see how it goes. Yep, I agree. I hope he listen. I hope he does well. I do. I do, too. I think this is just going to. This is this is going to be something. This is going to come back, and if he does well and they go and win a Stanley Cup, it will look like absolute brilliance on his part that he held out for the team of his his choice. And I think that as what we talk about on this show becomes more and more prevalent, it will come out probably in the next few days and probably the next week or so that he was unwilling to move to another team. This ultimately could go down. We, we're not going to talk about it being, you know, the Giroux trade, the way that we talk about the Richards and Carter trade. This is going to have one title and one title alone. No movement, Claude. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Snow the Goalie. Make sure you find us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, uh, Amazon Music. We're there as well. You can find the video version of this at some point, probably this weekend over on the Crossing Broad YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Crossing Broad. You can find our podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Snow the Goalie, facebook.com slash Snow the Goalie. You can find Ant on Twitter and Instagram if, if you so choose at Ant San Philly. You can find me there as well at Joy on Broad, Bundy at Cetarian6. All of those links and such are in the description of this episode. Like you said, Ant, it doesn't happen every day. It happens maybe once a decade. Flyers have traded the the face of their franchise where one chapter ends, another begins. We finish out the season and let's see how this thing goes. We'll be here to cover it. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.